You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 320 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. I'm excited about this week's episode. We're doing yes. uh, chatting to uh, Rowena Meadows, so about her uh, documentary style family and commercial photography. She did the podcast a few years ago, so we're catching up with that. I love her work and I'm very excited to share that uh, interview with you guys today. Brilliant. Can't wait to hear from Rowena yeah. again. All right. So we want to give a big shout out to Stacey Ideas, who kindly left us a review. What a cool name. It is a cool name. <laughs> um, who left us a review on Apple Podcasts from the United States. And uh, Stacey's title was, didn't know how much I needed this. And she said, Stacey here in Midwest USA, stumbled upon your podcast randomly and didn't know exactly how much I needed you in my life. <laughs> Gina and Val, you truly make me laugh every day and remind me how much I love this job. Portrait photography requires so many different skills and you cover them all. I've been at this for 20 years and you've sparked something new in my brain to keep me curious. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Thanks, Stacey. That's so cool. Thank you, Stacey, with a great cool name too. Yes, for, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> and a big hello to everyone in America with all of the busyness that's going on in mm. your country. And, um, uh, yeah, you know, hope that you are all well. Also, a big hello to everybody else, of course, no matter where you're listening <laughs> in the world and um, what your situation is. It's always great to hear from everyone from all over the world. And one place that we love hearing from you is over in the Facebook group. Just um, search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. It's free to join the listener community because there are photographers from all over the world and, um, yeah. you know, we drop in there and people ask questions and it's really great to see people from all walks of life. Another fabulous um, thing that we have going is the gold community. What's been going on in the gold community this week, Gina? I just finished uh, recording the CCs, uh, constructive critiques for the Goldies, uh, and uh, so they get a video critique back from me um, talking about their photos and how they can improve them, and it might be like they ask about editing or lighting concerns. So I've done that, and then, you know, the just watching the Goldies do amazing work, it just makes my day. I love working with them. It's fantastic. So working on some new tutorials uh, this week for the Goldies. Uh, so yeah, all exciting stuff, Val. Very, very exciting. If you're interested in finding out more about the gold community, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the gold community. One of the great things about being part of a community is exactly that, the community. 
The feedback and support you get from fellow members of the Goal community at ginamilitia.com is invaluable. I asked Karen Pino about this. Thanks to you, um, I just decided to take everything that came my way and I started my business and I started full force and it was incredible. Before I joined the gold community, I didn't know hardly anything really. Um, Truthfully, it's the community, the people are phenomenal. And when I go in and I put my pictures in and I get feedback, not just from you, but from other people that are um, doing really well. And um, because there's all levels in the gold community. And I love hearing from all the different perspectives. It's so encouraging. And then being able to go in and encourage others the same way that I've been encouraged. It's just wonderful. I also love the tutorials too. I really, I go in and I'm always like right before a job, I'm going into the tutorials and I'm downloading them all into my brain. I like the length, they're concise, they're easily, you can go back to them again and again and again and to refresh and then I can watch them and go practice and then come back and watch them and go practice and come back. (laughs) So it really helps me to hone my skills that much further. They're short, but every time I watch them, I learn something new. The knowledge and the resources that are there are almost unfathomable. You learn and you keep learning and it's just an amazing community. I have recommended it to many friends, actually, (laughs) on Facebook all the time. Join this community, it's awesome. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to genomilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so this week we're talking about candid family and commercial photography with our guest Rowena Meadows. And uh, it may sound like Gina is in an aviary, but it's just the lovely bird life that's around her house. Oh, so are the so birds don't... that loud? There are so many. That it's, I think um, because of the lockdown, Val, uh-huh. it's just like it seems that the birds have multiplied. Like that, there are thousands of them. And what was really beautiful, I was on, I was on a walk uh, yesterday and they, they, they're really tame. It's like this this whole oh. generation of their rosellas, so the bright red birds, mm. and they were all at eye level just sitting in the tree and you could walk right up to them. I got so close to one like mm. I was literally a, about um half a foot away didn't didn't even move just going yeah so hi they're not they're not frightened it's beautiful well podcast listener Judy Bruno might like those birds hey she does some fantastic she does fantastic photos bird of, shots of yes. birds yes. um all right so um tell us about this week's guest so we first uh, met up with uh, our guest Rowena Meadows in, uh, about uh, three years ago. So we chatted to her back in January 2018, and I've been uh, like I've been a huge fan of her work ever since I first stumbled across her particular style of photography. Loved that first chat, and then I've been watching her just go crazy her like her career is just like skyrocketed in that in that three years since we spoke to her so um what i love about her work is she is rowena is a master of uh capturing the beauty in ordinary moments her her images are authentic chaotic heartfelt heartfelt and joyous and she's also in the in this past three years has transitioned from being uh doing documentary style family photography to doing commercial photography so we talk about that and we talk about how she 
um, is dealing with this uh, rapid success and uh, that transition from family to commercial photography, which she shares her thought process for capturing the beauty in the ordinary and uh, how she works with her families and commercial clients, learning how to direct on commercial shoots and uh, how to blend in as a documentary photographer and the, the, the like her go-to lenses and dealing with uh, the COVID lockdown because everything sort of ground to a halt at the start of the year and how she coped with that, plus heaps more. I love chatting with uh, Rowena. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Rowena Meadows, welcome to the show. How are you going? I'm very well. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, I should say welcome back to the show because last time we spoke to you was the start of 2018, so January 2018, so it's been nearly three years and wow, what a three (laughs) years it's been. 2020 has actually been about 20 years, so it's been maybe like 23 years. Uh, So (laughs) for our listeners who don't know you, um, before we start, where in the world are you? I'm in Melbourne, Australia. Fresh out of lockdown. Fresh out of the longest lockdown in world history. So um, before I ask you about that experience, just in your own words, uh, Mm -hmm. what is it that you do? What style of photography? Uh, I do a bunch of things, but the thing that uh, excites me the most and that I do the most is family, family documentaries. So I will go into a family's home and spend an entire day, um, maybe somewhere from 8 to 12 hours. Sometimes I sleep over, um, just documenting um, a really ordinary day in their life. Uh, so I do everything they do. They don't do anything special. I go to everywhere they go, supermarket, cafes, sports practice, public toilets, um everything and then i make that into a book and it's called a day in the life and i what i'm trying to do with that is just um normalize and honor and uh, elevate the full spectrum of family life and help people appreciate the, the beauty of that yeah, I'm just I'm going to pull a uh, quote out of your own bio here that I just think sums I love this quote of yours. I love mess, chaos, joy, incongruence, connection, togetherness, frustration, funny moments and quiet ones. Mostly, yeah. I just love noticing and capturing the beauty in the ordinary. The more ordinary the better really i love (laughs) that quote so much that is so beautiful and you do that and i am a huge fan of your work it's beautiful and in the last three years since we've spoken it's just uh really gone off so pre uh these lockdowns what's been going on with your work let's just uh, have a little catch up Uh, so when we chatted it was just uh you were just starting to get noticed uh i think you'd won uh, a best emerging documentary family mm-hmm. photographer and you'd a couple of little awards like that so in mm. the next um few years what what's happened with your career how's it going it's it's 2018 and 2019 were years of enormous momentum for my work mm. um still like can't believe the the way um the way what I was doing moved along in those two years. I 
started shooting families a lot more. I was doing it um, overseas. Mm. I even was using it as a mode of traveling. So if I wanted to go somewhere, I would. Um, I was lucky enough that if I put that out there on my social media, that I could um, say where I wanted to go and hopefully book enough clients in that area to pay for the trip and and more. Um, I started a an international documentary family photography conference with um, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even. I yeah, that's very surprising to me still. Um, so I started that with a a friend who lives in America, and that happened in Miami in Florida. And it was pretty huge. So it was like, how many photographers did you have that yeah. were teaching at the first one? Oh, that were teaching. Um, I think we had six speakers and mm. about 100 attendees from That's all fantastic. around the world. Amazing. That's crazy. I yeah. don't even know which Rowena it was that did that because <laughs> I <laughs> I hadn't um, – I hadn't run an event or been to a photography conference before or even been to a conference. Wow. Like I, I don't really – I was quite naive in taking that on, but um, beginner's luck, it worked out, and it was, uh, it was a really important moment for me to realize that I could do, do scary things for um, the thing to, to get where I wanted to get. So – that happened, and then I also started doing some commercial work, making mm. the um, family documentary um, philosophy to the commercial world. So I was lucky enough to get um, some campaigns with Brightax. They make yep. um, high chairs and strollers, yep. all that. So I did quite a lot of work for them. And, and then completely I- in your style too. Rowena, yeah. Rowena, I'll call you Ro, uh, yeah. a, a, completely in your style. So it's like I look at these images and it, it, it could have easily been a day-in-your-life uh, sort of uh, photo shoot, but they're for these big-name companies. So there's like uh, when I look at your images, I just think, I, you know, I see I, they're just so relatable and I care about every single person in that image. There is no disconnect i think the world of advertising has changed so rapidly where you know when when they started advertising i guess like thinking back to mad men that's my history of advertising that's um, how i know about it some time to talk about that later <laughs> it's um <laughs> you know in the in the 50s and 60s it was very much it's like if well if we need to sell something the psychology is that if you want to have eyes on an image then a use a beautiful woman because that will get more um interest generally and that it's still true to this day and because we were a bit more naive you could watch these commercials that said oh you know i can't believe i got the stain out and it's like you know in this perfect home and and um sort of we're seeing something similar happening on um instagram 
and that's been happening for a long time where everyone is uh everyone is now a celebrity in their own right around the world because we we've got access to an Instagram feed and a Facebook yeah. feed and we can broadcast to the world so yeah. you know suddenly everyone wants to create these uh curated ideas of the ideal lifestyle and and you see that a lot and then suddenly um people are starting i th- i think reject that sort of perfect beautiful world and particularly in advertising they were finding that those beautifully curated perfect shots don't work anymore and then it comes in people like you <laughs> who create this uh real yeah. world and it's still like it is still directed it's or, still I mean, d- directed and stylized because it's yeah. like you've got a very um you know, it, like your style of editing, it's a bit gritty. I really like that, by the way. It's got a bit of edge, but and then the chaos, and it's like I look at the images and I just see life and energy. So it's, it's so fantastic that uh, I'm so happy that, that you see took that. off. Yeah, Thank it, you. it it's beautiful. So like everything is going great, and this is uh, true. I think in life, you know, we're going along, we're going along, and you do think uh, when it's all going fantastically that, all right, I'm on my way. This is gonna last forever, <laughs> right? Did you have no, that? I th- never that, that. that. I'm that, a pessimist. I always think <laughs> the shoe's gonna fall. The other yeah, shoes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's only a matter of time before people find out that I'm not really able to do this. <laughs> Oh, so imposter syndrome yeah, yeah, had yeah, set yeah, yeah. in. So was that tough for you then? It's like, you know, because there is this sense, yeah. it is quite surreal. Uh, I, I know I've had hundreds and hundreds of moments where I've been in a situation in a room full of people that looks like, oh, my God, where I've just like for a moment wake up and look around. Yeah. I'm like, look where I am and look what I'm doing. And I'm like, I can't think about yeah. this right now. I just need to keep shooting it's bizarre how did you deal with all of that i just accept that that's just me i almost make it into a silly thing that i laugh about it's Mm. i don't try to change that i don't try to fix imposter syndrome i just try to make friends with it and um i i i'm a person who really doesn't believe that my um predisposition to think negatively is able to be fixed. It's more about making sure it doesn't have the power to make my decisions for me. So as soon as you kind of stop trying to fight that stuff, it, the, the power of it recedes a little bit as well. Mm. Um, sorry about my bird. That's all right. It's got a lot to say. <laughs> I didn't even think about my bird being a problem. Uh, so yes, no, I don't try to eliminate any of that stuff. I just, I, I just, well, I actually have a really good analogy. I have it in my car, um, the imposter syndrome and all that negative thinking it's in the car. I just don't, sometimes it's in the front seat. Sometimes it's in the back seat. Ideally it's in the boot. Um, but it will always be in the car as long as it's not at the steering wheel, then I'm doing pretty well. Uh, that's really interesting. So I think 
that that is a great point it's something that like these thoughts that come up these negative thoughts where we will doubt ourselves regardless of you know mm. all the evidence to the contrary that's like yes you've been booked this yeah, is the fourth time in a row they've booked you <laughs> i think you can do this you haven't stuffed it up yet yeah. but it's like I have given that person a name and a different voice. Yes. So yes. when and it's like it cre it can creep up with with on you, and it's like you say in the car, and often it's like in the car where um, the the committee of um, there are a holes that live in my head. <laughs> there's there's a whole family of them, and I've given them all a name, and they will. They, children though. Maybe they're not really a-holes. They're, they're children. They're all they, little, they're actually all little versions of me because it's like uh, I know whenever I'm afraid or nervous or, you know, any other um, feeling other than feeling content and in the moment is my uh, little version of Gina. So something that someone taught me was to recognise that it's not you, it's not the adult you, it's the little you that's scared or feeling, um, you know, not, not up to the task. And I will say, and I say it out loud, that it's like on those big, big occasions and it could be anything it's not necessarily for a job it could be something that I'm you know frightened to confront someone about something or I'm going to see uh, you know an elderly relative who's ill all these uncomfortable situations I say okay hey little Gina I know you don't want to come to this so I'm going to ask you to wait in the car mm. I got this yes there's something really powerful about being able to separate yourself from your thoughts. So yes. You are not your thoughts. No. You are not your thoughts. That is radio noise in your head. And, and the problem is when you do fuse with those thoughts, that's when there is a problem. So yeah. the thoughts are allowed to be there. Just don't fuse with them. And yeah. I mean, we are programmed to think negatively. If Humans wouldn't even exist if we didn't think negatively. Like if we didn't anticipate woolly mammoths, uh, yeah, tigers and yeah. we would be we, this none of this would be here so there's a, there's sort of like a, a relief in even appreciating those little genas yeah. because they you know they they serve a purpose as well as long as you don't fuse with them and become them so yeah. it's it's a beautiful thing what you just described so true and it's not i'm not telling her um to like you're not real or go away yeah. i'm acknowledging her all the time and it's like that anxiety is real it's real yeah. but it's like i'm just like not going to bring you in and it's like interesting yeah. that you say you relate back to uh you know when we were uh living in caves uh, yeah. th these these fear was a, a way to keep us safe and um in a tribe if you were the person who had anxiety right you were very valuable to the tribe <laughs> because you are the person that's thinking forward in, and thinking yeah. about damage I, control I, of all the yeah. ways that um yeah. well that's where the mammoth could come in there yeah. he could also come in there there's a threat there and there's a threat there so you're recognizing these future threats and you're actually the kind of person that's very valuable in a I community know. exactly we really demonized anxiety uh, yeah. as a society when it's actually a really functional thing. So yeah, it's a good thing, but just learning to control it. So you got yeah. all this uh, super attention really quickly. And it's like, there's this 
thing that happens when uh, someone bursts onto the scene and it's like everyone that's on the other side watching, like, you know, if I'm innocently watching your rise, it looks like, wow, Ro just overnight success. So that's how everybody does it. They're nobody and then the next day they're somebody. It's not the case, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. God, I hope so. It's like what we don't see is all the work that goes on behind the scenes leading up to this moment and it's like all the hard work, all the, like, you know, there must have been um, obviously years of struggle. No one talks about that. This is like, this is the thing. Everyone just comes, yeah, so I got my first camera and uh, I was really good at it straight. I picked it up out of the box. I just understood everything and then, you know, I looked at a couple of videos on YouTube and then I was great. (laughs) <laughs> and I've been great ever since, you know, and it took, I could, it took me three months to go to earning, you know, a couple of million a year. That's that easy. That, that's the, the, how people think that a lot of people get successful. It's not the case for I anyone. Mean, I would never want to burst onto any scene ever. Like that, that sounds horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would gingerly, you know, put my toe out there and see what it's like and then do some work and then take another little step. It's the idea of instant anything as we were talking about before feels hollow. And, yes. Uh, no, it's been, you know, maybe all the, like six years yeah. and many years of taking really rubbish photos. Um, and, and that's important that you mention that because it's like, again, well, we see too. your feed, we see your work, and, of course, everyone's going to put all their best shots out there. Oh, yeah. But there are, like, times when you tried that, you know, there'd, there'd be the hero shot. I'm sure you've got 50 other versions of that before you finally worked out how to how to get that shot or, that's like, how to see like, or okay. even – even how to see that shot because, you know, at first it's like when we're seeing light, we see everything. You just see like yeah. or everything, there's potential images and then suddenly you 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 fine-tune and fine-tune and hone and hone and hone and it's like th- this is how I see your work like emerging and it's like, you know, even since we spoke three years ago, it's still it's like it's taken a huge leap from there and I thought it was great then and I'm like wow look at it now it's a it's just gotten so much better so how Mm. did you um like because I know you've got like and I'm not sure if a lot of the listeners are aware but you've got a background in psychology right yes before photography which is like such a great thing to have that's amazing so did did you need to lean on that training when you were starting out because there is that whole like you know you talk about the imposter syndrome but it is hard at the start to feel like you're ever gonna develop a style or and you you pick a genre that isn't all that popular to start with right and people don't understand it so how did you deal with that those sorts of emotions coming up I think uh, I, I have a real comfort with failure and I expect it and like even when I look at my work now, like 95% of what I shoot in a day in life is rubbish. Right. And I would never put my name next to any of it. Um, like and even from like a 10 hour shoot, I'll maybe show if it's a good one, I'll maybe maybe three or four of those photos will make it to my 
socials. Wow. And how many would you do, like a, like one of those day-in-the-life shoots, how many images would you take? I would give 50. Yeah, maybe. but how many do you take? Oh. Um, and how many do you don't take? That's another question I want to ask you as well. Yeah. Uh, how, 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 yeah. yeah. So are you, are you, are you spraying and praying as much as you were? <laughs> and I know that you're not just pit firing away. I know that you're looking for that decisive moment. Mm. But how has that changed in the last few years? Have you um, mm. learnt to put the camera down sometimes and just always been watch? good at that? I yeah. think, um, and I, and it's all also just taking the like if I have in my mind that I. You know, mostly I'm I'm just recording real life, and and I don't put the pressure on myself to be making brilliant photos the whole time. Right. I, I know I really only need a couple. Yep. But I think that coming back to what you asked me about my psychology background, the the thing that I realized spending the day with people and trying to make really honest imagery, the most important thing is my curiosity and my observation skills. So, and those are two things that definitely come from being a psychologist. So, you know, really trying to listen for people's story and understand their story and think about how I can turn what I'm hearing into images people can recognize their story in. So I have been a lot more thoughtful about that in the last, uh, well, when I, when I was working before, yeah. COVID, but like an example might be um, like as, as humans, we're kind of primed to understand our lives as stories. So we often have stories about ourselves and about our kids that might not necessarily be a true reflection, but um, I'll give you an example. So a, a mum might say, oh, that's our son, Harry. He's not that affectionate. He's, he's not our affectionate child they've assigned that role to him right and then i will hear that and i'll file that away and i'll be really mindful throughout the day of noticing how harry shows affection so maybe it's not in the big bear hug kisses uh, like there are other kids in the family but um maybe harry uh, this is one kid i am i'm actually talking about a real life situation here but maybe that kid just Every time he would walk past his mum, he would kind of touch her. Right. Like, just like touch her hand on the way past or yeah. her back. There was just these fleeting moments of touch that she didn't recognise as overtly physically affectionate. But to me, they register as really beautiful physical signs of affection. And so that day I was really trying to catch like any time I would see that kid walk past his mom, I saw him do it a couple of times and I missed it, I missed it, I missed it. I missed nearly everything I want to shoot. Um, but then because I have hours and hours, I did eventually get that shot later in the day of the walk past touch. And it's, so it's about helping people recognize that this, the stories they have are often thin stories and there are events that happen outside those storylines that um, I want them to see and to help shift and reframe the way they see themselves and the way they see the people in their lives. So that is the ultimate, ultimate goal. Um, 
helping people have a, a wider, thicker view of themselves and others. And I don't think I achieve that very often. Um, but I, I like that that's a very lofty goal for me that, you know, I don't hit that often, but it's always driving me. So in, in regards to my psychology, yeah, um, listening for those stories and trying to photograph exceptions to them is like just the ultimate um, shiny thing for me. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I, I think spending that amount of time, like 12, you're saying 12 hours, 14 hours with a family, that's a long time for a family to keep their guard up. And I, I, like I, even like from my experiences shooting like, when I was shooting for a lot of the glossy magazines, we, we would do at homes with certain mm-hmm. celebrities and but they were really polished yeah. <laughs> looking set up. Yeah. And uh, I would often, you know, you could walk into it. There were homes, and I'll never forget, there was like a, a very, and I'm not gonna name names, but like <laughs> a very <laughs> well-known couple who, you know, on the outside, happily, happily married, beautiful life, all of that. And I remember walking into their home and it just felt everything about the home and the energy, it was energy and I just got a sense of this is not a happy family relationship at all. And I did the photos and I directed, like you can fake it really easily. And so I was able to fake affection and uh, that they were all, you know, uh, up for it as well. But, you know, three months later they split. Oh. And it was there and I've seen it and it was like, and sometimes it's like, and I'm really um, tuned into that and always was on my shoots and it was like it's a glance it's a, an answer to a question, but it's in the mundane that people reveal themselves. So you must see that a lot, you know, even if they're trying at first to um, put their best face forward, there is something that, that gives it away in that energy uh, exchange. Yes. Yeah? Tension, yeah. I, I mean, I like it when I can sense tension sometimes. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. But <laughs> I, uh, I've, I'm uh, codependent, so I feel like I need to make it all better for everyone. <laughs> that's, so interesting. that's so interesting. But for me, I hope that the people who book me, I hope that from the work they've seen of mine, they know what they're getting and that um, if there is tension or um, ugly not ugly, that's not the right word, um, uncomfortable moments that they will feel okay with that also being photographed. Yeah. Um, and I, that does range. You know, some people I can tell don't care at all that I might be seeing the worst. Yes, like a, ta- a, a toddler tantrum or, a, you know, a disagreement <clears throat> yeah. over which... Like marital which... discord. Like yes. Part of, you know, that's that's part of family life. Like, you know, and I, I, it's sometimes hard for me where there is like a, you can tell there's a conflict between parents and I have to think very carefully about whether I think it's acceptable for me to keep shooting through that or should I just go into the other room for a bit or, or what? And it's, it's delicate and mm. difficult, but it's only something that can be decided in the moment. 
And how and, often do you keep shooting through that? Um, sometimes I'll have a deliberate conversation beforehand to ask people how they feel about about uh, me photographing the uncomfortable things, and mm. often people are like, "Oh, yeah, everything. I want everything." Oh, and wow. then you can, and and those are my ideal clients. So yes, about and then if I do get those photos, then I particularly want to put those ones on my feed <laughs> to advertise that that's what I want to do. And I and I haven't really, you know, that's where I want to go. I really want to be allowed to to photograph tension. Yeah, you talked about in in the first interview that we did um, back three years ago, and this has stuck with me about your joy at seeing uh, toddlers in tantrums. Yes, I love that. How much you love that, and it's like it stayed with me because the the difference between a tantrum or a child being in a state of joy, there's just nothing. that fo- nothing. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same yeah. emotion kind of. It's everything is out there and it's so yeah. real. And there's something really beautiful about when you see someone letting it all hang out, whether yeah. it's just being overjoyed or being in despair or being, you know, yeah. in a state of, uh, you know, frustration or anxiety like the toddler having the tantrum. So yeah. has is that continued and are you more attracted? <laughs> because it's like it's hard to – it's hard – it's so hard to find truth these days and it's so frustrating for photographers, I think, and I guess everyone to go, well, what's the truth? What's real? And how do I know, Ro, that you're not staging all these photos? And it's like, well, I know because you feel that you can see the difference, I think. Thank you. So, Thank you. I think, you know, with, with, with childhood, there's this small period of our lives where we don't, Think about what our face will look like when we're crying our hearts out and it's all displayed on their face and they don't go, oh, hang on, I probably shouldn't cry, I'm in the supermarket, people might look at me. I, I think that period of time where, where those little humans do not consider that at all is so beautiful. It and is, it is, I so agree. Sad. As, it, as it dissipates, I think it's kind of sad, so it's really important to... And the and the childlike sense of wonder, and they're yeah. just like they're absolutely yeah, in the moment. Husband. Those yeah. that 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 is gold. And it's like when you see a, a great actor on the screen, the greatest actors are the ones that get so into the character and so into the moment that it's real. And we believe, like when they're weeping, they are feeling those emotions, and we see it and we feel it too, because it's like they're prepared to be that vulnerable and completely let down their guard. And so, you know, yes. and it, that's. And in that moment, that is their truth. So yes, really, that's all. That's all we can hope to capture that that person's truth in that moment. So I love that you talk about. Um, that they're having those conversations with your clients and also the fact that you are attracting clients that are booking you that like this day in the life they're not coming along and saying yeah I want you to do the day in the life but like we're going to clean up first and we're going to uh, kind of uh, direct this from the sides like you put out the style of work that you um, want to attract people to right yeah. how long did that take before you had the courage to say 
you know what, I'm not doing um, uh, styled baby shoots or I'm not doing yeah. styled because obviously you must have done that at the start at some I point. Didn't. I was lucky I didn't have to transition out of that right. and worry about how clients might see that because right. I, I've, I've ne- I don't even know how to do that. I would be very bad at that. I, right. I, 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 directing is something I really only – sort of was forced to become comfortable with when the when the commercial shoots the branding stuff came on board because um doing the family documentary stuff and then trying to transfer that to um shooting for brands i i kind of naively thought it could just be the same but most of the time the the photos that i make for commercial shoots start organically and start with a, a scene, a normal family scene, and then I just let them happen for a little while, but then I will figure out where I want it to go and I'll make it go that little bit further with my directions. And that's something that's taken me a while to um, get comfortable with. So, All right, let's get into that a bit more because I'm, I'm really curious about this. So... Um, Obviously, when you're doing the day in the life family stuff, you're there. Your job is to blend in and become invisible. And like I see that with um, some of the good reality TV. And just from my own experience, I've been followed by cameras and I always thought I would be aware of them. But it's amazing how quickly you forget they're there and that you do let your guard down and they they see who you are, you know, and it's – it's so quick. I never thought it would be that quick. So yeah. um, your role in the family is to become invisible and so that they're not – there must be a time at the very start of the shoot where the kids might be performing for you. D- does that happen or the family start to perform? And is there a point – like I know in it, when I'm doing a portrait shoot, say there's a moment where I actually visibly see my client relax and they're not camera aware anymore and I'm like, okay, we're, we're over that initial <laughs> photo face stage. Yeah. Now I see you and now we can get to work. Does that happen in your shoots? I like how you said that moment of now I see you. That's now good. I see you, yeah. Well, now you show me you. Well, will I see you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, I I don't I don't try to be invisible. I just try to be a family member. Right. Very much involved. Um, I don't it, it's not so much that that cliche fly on a wall situation. Um, because it's not I like you're spying or hiding. It does it no, doesn't I, feel like these are um, spy shots or secret. <laughs> it feels very much like I'm when I'm looking at your images, I'm there. I'm in in there as part of the family, in, in, experiencing that experience as well, which is not easy to do. No, well, I it's not easy, but I I don't know how I would get to the places I get with families unless I was curious and wanted to understand and ask the questions and hear the stories and hear the histories. I need to be in conversation to find out what it is that it's is going to be important to photograph so mm. the, the the talking is is part of it and I don't do much talking with my uh with my clients before I get there I I don't like to have too many preconceived ideas right at all before I go um but most people you know it's hard to keep up any kind of 
pretense when you are trying to parent. So I find that people let that go in the first hour or two, almost always. And I often don't use photos from the first little while. Like there are most of my shoots, I probably wouldn't use any photos from the first hour or two. I'm mainly just taking them for the sake of taking them so that people can get used to me taking them. But they're right. often not included until we get to that, oh, now I see you place that you just articulated beautifully. And so, look, That's I'm curious. That's why I need the whole, <laughs> the whole day. I'm just curious about, um, your, is it a poker, fa like, okay, so let's just say a worst case scenario, and I've, like, I've seen all of these things, uh, you know, an hour and a half in, little Jimmy throws the wobbly, which then causes, the mum comes over and starts soothing, and then the dad's, like, annoyed, and there's an all-in Barney, <laughs> which is not, it's just normal family life, right? Completely uh, natural, yeah. Yeah, are you... Um, in it, uh, what is your? Is there a poker face? Are you reacting? What are you trying to do? Because obviously you want to keep shooting, but you yeah. want to keep make the family. I don't know. It's like, are you trying to make everyone comfortable? What, what are you doing? No, no, I'm never trying to make people comfortable. I, I don't want to. This is uh, why I can't do this stuff. Yeah, because yeah. I would be, <laughs> I would be there going, okay, John, I hear you. I know you're upset with Sally at the moment, but little Timmy is having a tantrum, and so maybe you just step out of the room. We'll take care of this, and we'll come back and we'll roll again. See, that's why I can't do this documentary no, stuff. You should never do it. No, <laughs> I would be exhausted at the end of the day. <laughs> you could get past. So, I, I mean, if I'm engaging, and then I sense something like that beginning to unfold, I'll kind of stop engaging and I, I don't, I want to pull right back at that point and I'll probably photograph it from further away until I sense that everyone is okay with it and then like, and then I'll decide if it's okay to, to, to get right in there. Yeah. Um, but when it initially happens out of respect and be, particularly at the start of the day, if I'm not quite sure these people's comfort with me photographing tense moments like that. I'll, 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 in those moments, I really am not involved at all in the family, uh, but I am photographing furiously, um, but usually with space to begin with. And then if I sense that it's okay, um, very close, very, very close in there. So it's right. just a decide in the moment situation. Uh, now, Sometimes get really angry too if kids are losing it and then you come up in their face yes that just can feel really disrespectful sometimes so i don't want to make anyone feel like their despair is my you know like what i'm getting off on it's not I, it, it's really balancing that being respectful of someone's despair and space but also um, wanting to make it an important part of their their day and their their story in their book, so it's really coming down to getting the right client and my intuition in the moment. Yeah, you say in your face. So, are you shooting with short lenses, or I mean, it'd be easy to hang back with a long lens, but it doesn't feel as in in you're in that moment. It, it's like a, there there is a bit of a disconnect with the longer lens. Yes, How if I'm inside, it's all. If I'm inside, it's pretty much always a 24. Wow. Almost always, and then occasionally 35. If it's a bigger house with a, with with a 
with a bit more space. But so you're constantly a few feet away from people. Yeah, yeah. Well, most of most of the time I'm inside. Um, when I go out, I I will um, change lenses mostly to a 35 and maybe a if I can be bothered carrying it, um, my 70 to 200 if we're going somewhere with vast space. But I'm very bad with the long lenses. And that's something I do want to get better at. Um, right. That's something, that's the place I'm trying to push myself. All right. So let's talk about this uh, transitioning here to the commercial shoot. So you've really much gotten into a groove. You've done like enough of these uh, day in your life projects to I, I kind of feel confident in that direction. How was that different for you doing the commercial shoot where obviously you can't just, well, you can try get a family to just, everybody just look like they're having fun, guys. So you had to <laughs> learn to direct. So yeah. what, what was Not that like? It's that, that I think often I thought that was going to be impossible to me. Um, directing was something that was just ultimately fearful. Um, but and, I and think, so, sorry, right? Suddenly you've got another three or four people, if you're lucky, that's a small set on set. So that the client's there, the art director's there, the creative director's there, the stylist, the makeup artist. Suddenly it's gone from this intimate family day in your life to something that's there are a lot many more eyes on the scene how was that as well I've been very very lucky with that um I've only had that once so with when I worked for Britex I did maybe 20 shoots for them and only had all those people there on the first one and then after that it was just me and um one other person nice and that's how it's been um with the, I did some work for Medibank Private and some work for Carter Grange um, Property Developers, and yeah. I've, I haven't had to deal with that whole gamut of people, um, which which <laughs> makes me feel anxious to think about. So I'm lucky in that I probably wouldn't take those types of jobs so much. Um, I don't understand about lights and all of that studio situation. I only... I have kind of like these niche skills and if brands value the authentic family photos uh, to go with telling the story of their brand, then I, I'm their person. But yeah. I, 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 I always let things start organically and then hope a story emerges in my head and I'll build the photo person by person. So there might be like, three or four people in a scene and I know I need the stroller or the high chair or whatever to be in the photo. So I'll start with the item, the pram or whatever as, as the main subject and then let life happen around it and then right. something will just kind of click and I'll, if I'm lucky, I can put people where I want them to be and, um, well, I, that often doesn't work with children, but I can at least put the adults where I want them to be and then we can wait, 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 wait for the kids. For the moment. As well. So being able to just control even a couple of the elements um, in a commercial setting, whereas in documentary, in a day in a life shoot, I don't control any of the elements. So just having the ability to direct a few elements and, and then hope for the, the undirectables to fall into place around them is so fun. It's like a puzzle. I, I, I actually 
it feels like construction construction yeah yeah I, I can relate to that for sure that's how I build my shots oh, um, I love that. yeah uh, that's how that's how I think it's like well here's the the hero which is obviously yeah. the stroller in this case and mm-hmm. then you know you've got and let me that and then I First of all, there's the stage. I have my stage setting, which is the location. So that's the backdrop. So I find that. Then I bring the cast in one at a time and fill the frame. But I'm interested with the client. The what's the brief like? Is it is it loose, or have they got a final product that we like? We kind of would like to aim to have something like this ish, or is it just like get just get us what you get us? It's a bit of a combination. There's often a loose-ish um, shot list uh, and I'll have with my um, with my marketing director who I work with, we'll have a loose idea about some stories or scenarios. So we'll walk through a house and go, what if they were doing this here? And then I'll figure out which, which way is going to work best for the light and we'll kind of, come up with a loose expectation of the story the family story that might take place in that in that room um it almost never works out (laughs) it almost always becomes something else when you actually put people in there but um starting from those those loose ideas of stories is really important um with the medibank work i just did they literally the brief was um, when I photographed his family in their home, it was just they wanted authentic photos of family doing ordinary uh, activities in their house. So they were baking, um, they were baking a cake. So I set that up to be most favorable for the natural light that was there. Yep. And then, you know, I got them to repeat things and I, I put the kids in certain spots. Um, and just built built the photo like one element at a time like that. So I actually really enjoy. I never thought I would enjoy that, um, but the, the construction aspect of it is really appealing. Yeah, beautiful. And are you drawing on um, previous experiences with your real families as I, sort of? Yeah, I was just thinking that. I think I probably wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah. Uh, I am drawing on things, scenes and scenarios and chaos and yeah. real emotions that I've photographed before and, and, and just picking here and there and, and pulling those things together to make a mishmash of my own lived experiences in a, in a commercial setting. It's kind of like a weaving situation. It's... And that's the, 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 the theme that stands out in all your images is there is this beautiful chaos in all of them Uh, and and uh you're not afraid of allowing um the 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 sort of the clutter of life to be in there which i I really love like you're not sort of so much you know even in advertising you're not like sort of cleaning the the backyard i mean the first image on your website at uh, rowenameadows.com.au in your commercial uh, work section of that Medibank private shot that mm-hmm. the cynic in me would say all right was the red deliberately chosen as a prop it was so because Medibank it's in, color in, is with, yeah is red yes, and blue right. is, so well, that was really one of the only kind of uh parts of the brief was that where possible 
the red and blue will be. So, um, so they start with that, but I can see how you've built on this and added Rowena to the to, to the image. <laughs> like the you've seen, there's a dog, there's yeah, a balloon. You've put all the chaos. You like they gave you. So I think if they hired, say, me to come in and do this shot. <laughs> Uh, the dog wouldn't be there. The girl, like the two, I would have changed the styling a little bit and it's like, you know, she'd be holding boy. the balloons. It'd be so style, you know, it'd just yeah. be like, I, I would, yeah, it's a different. But it's like I can see where you've gone, okay, this is great, the shadows, the balloon, the action, but then bring the dog in and then the little, <laughs> the the bit that I love is because it's like there's where's Wally in the back, the kid just that, – and that's that, that's like I see that in all your images. There's always like this other little bit of like, oh, yeah, but there's always stuff going on. in the, Like there's stuff going on everywhere. So – which is a dream for an advertiser because it's like you want eyes to – to stay on the photo for as long as possible. And like every time you see it, like I didn't notice the girl in the swing or the little baby in the swing the first time I sh looked at the shot and I didn't notice the dog. Oh, really? I saw the baby in the balloon and I saw the colour and I went, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And now I'm like, now I see the balloon, the the the, 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 actually a the dog. One. There's a popped one on the floor, and then there's another like the 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 dog toy is also yeah, red. That's just in the right spot. I didn't put that there, but um, I am happy that one's there. Yeah. So it's like, well, they give you something as a start, and it's like I think a lot of area, a lot of um, areas that uh, photographers coming up when they're dealing with uh, agencies and things like that is you um, get it's very easy you can be intimidating into just pushing the button so the yeah. client will come along and they'll say okay this is our color theme and your yeah. and and this is the brief so just this is what we want you to create which is then you're kind of they're limiting you to their imagination of what's possible now sometimes they'll take you beyond like to, to they'll push you out of your comfort zone to create something that is beyond you which is fantastic but yeah. there's other times when it's like that can be limiting and like you, out of fear you'll just agree to everything they say and you don't inject any of your yeah. personality into the shot so I love that that's not the case with you and I'm like, very lucky I think and you make that shot by just uh like adding the chaos like the baby on the bench with the about to step in the eggs and there's just mess everywhere <laughs> which is uh really but cool it's very that's a dream like i always have wanted to photograph a very messy chaotic baking scene and i haven't you know it hasn't happened so much in real life so i i just taken all the times i've been photographing real life families and hoping for this and hoping for that i actually get to make the things i was hoping for in the real life family scenes real in the in the i get to make them happen in the commercial setting so it's it's nice it's nice being a storyteller that way it's lovely and it's like everything you've done up until this moment has led you to this 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 place so it's all been uh, all these experiences that you've collected have now taken you to the next level where you can create these uh beautiful uh images full of energy and life for the advertising market oh, which is it's 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 great to see so are they for seeing that and thank you for articulating it like that um i'm going to think about that i hadn't seen it that way but i i love the way you just articulated it 
Oh, thanks. And and <laughs> so, are these uh, are they actors or are they fa- real real uh, people that you get in? Yeah, sometimes they're paid talent, but yeah. Um, so okay, on that paid talent, because I've found when I'm dealing with uh, professional models, I have to beat the model out of them <laughs> into, in a nice way, yeah. because I find them like the They're smile, the, the yeah. pose, and I'm like, no, no, please don't put your hand there. No, 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 this is mm. lifestyle. We need to like, and I got to get all of that out because they're so used to turning up and looking like you know they're a, a wheel girl on a game show kind of thing, <laughs> you know, and it's all so fake and manufactured. Yeah. Do you find that? Do you uh, have that? I think if I actually, I think a lot of this, the talent, I don't know if any of them have actually been professional actors or models. I think they're all just families who right. were paid. Yep. Um, but no, actually, I'm just looking through my I'm looking through my portfolio and I, I don't think I have. I mean, obviously some people are more predisposed to act that way, but I think I don't think any of these people are professional models. I haven't had to deal with that yet. Because there's a whole generation under, I'm going to say, 20, under 25, under 30 mm-hmm. that are just so um, camera savvy mm-hmm. uh, that, that like they love the camera and they're not – like there's no um, – fear like my generation um we hated photography and it was all about like the family portrait would be in your sunday best standing by the lemon tree awkwardly so all my family photos that's what they look like just awkward i don't want to be here take the photo you know but the the kids (laughs) coming up nowadays like they love the camera and they create these face in their sleep yeah and they just create (laughs) these amazing photos and they're all about like you see them taking a thousand photos to get that one beautiful candid image, you know, mm-hmm. but it still looks staged. So now we're coming into this whole world where you're creating these, um, I don't know, th- these parameters. It's like, okay, so here's my stage. The action needs to happen in this area and go. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> Which is- I, I know. I have a 13-year-old daughter, so, and sometimes when I photograph her friends, they just have this comfort with the with the camera that was never I, I cannot relate to and and certainly couldn't have related to as a teenager but um I haven't photographed that generation so much commercially um yet but that that I can imagine there might <laughs> that might be a little bit difficult to, to I get love that. that generation I love, love there's that. something they're frightening right (laughs) but the confidence of a uh 13 14 13 14 year old girl Mm. is amazing and i love that i love that that they've got that look that they know all and they they can do all and that if you can capture that energy i think there's Mm. something really beautiful but it's also as a mother trying to photograph your own teenager there's all that that whole battle that goes on okay. with mothers and daughters. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's a changing. That that really depends on the moment. I my my daughter um, sometimes is a, a, a brilliant collaborator, and then other times it's it's a conflict ridden experience that is best to avoid. So exactly. Either. So, so that's all been fantastic. So that's like you had these three amazing years of uh, growth, and now sort of um, as as life 
happens, you know, suddenly uh, the, with the quarantines and uh, the whole COVID situation, it was like <laughs> breaks on. So I have to ask you how that um, second lockdown, it was like, was it about 10 weeks? It was like 12 or 13. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, I think it was like July the 9th or something. We we went in and then to so all of all of September it was like three and a bit months. And so I know that uh, as this uh, podcast airs, that we will have uh, you know listeners in uh, France and uh, Spain and the UK and uh, Canada's been in lockdown for ages. Will all be experiencing some form of lockdown or and or restrictions in movement. So. How was it for you? What did you learn from the experience? And how are you looking at ways to uh, change the way you shoot and make the most of um, mm-hmm. the bucket of lemons that we got given? <laughs> uh, I don't think there's been any one thing. I think um, I was lucky in the first lockdown that I made some colourful monochromatic portraits of my family who usually would maybe not be so cooperative but when you've lost all your work and your family feels a bit sorry for you they're more likely to participate in your um (laughs) crazy portrait ideas um so we we did that in the first lockdown and that um resulted in uh still don't understand influx of like forty thousand new followers to my instagram (laughs) so i've just been trying to figure out what to do with that um and how how my business can benefit from the wider audience right and um i strangely enough i had the portraits made into a puzzle for my girls to do because i don't know about you but i've been obsessed with puzzles during lockdown yeah and so I had the, the six portraits made into a puzzle for my kids who actually didn't give a shit about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I did it myself. <laughs> but when I posted um, some video of, of me doing the puzzle on my Instagram, I had all these people asking to buy one. Which right. was fantastic. From around the world, which was so odd. Um, that's just what COVID has done and so I ended up doing a small run of them which I've sold um I've sold just over 100 of them they've gone places around the world who are doing a puzzle of my family dressed up (laughs) in our driveway in in a weird it's so weird so um that's one thing I've done in the second lockdown I've organized the puzzles and then I've also finally got around to putting a print shop on my website, mm. so I've tried to um, I've tried to sell prints, mm. and I've also in the first lockdown when we were allowed, I was doing the front yard. Yeah. Which, so how did that go? Because yours are so yeah. quirky; they're just beautiful. Like you captured uh, the personality of these families, and I think you know every every family should have an image like this. You know, sure you can get that polished look as well, but that one that captures the the essence of who they are, I think, would be something that was mm. will be cherished for forever. Yeah, this is history. This is yes, like this is a, a really important year in history. And you know, if if a if a portrait in front of your house, the place you've been confined to for so many months, 
is not important in 2020. You know, like when is it? This is uh, this is the time to get that family portrait. And it was all I was allowed to do in the, in the first lockdown. So it was just a matter of convincing families to make a kind of different portrait. I didn't want people to be all dressed up and coordinated. And, I, you know, if someone would come out without their shoes on, I would say, great, don't put your shoes on. Like just, it just became about small details like, like that to really help it feel like a portrait that just happened to be taken at that moment uh, as those people really were. So it, it, I had never, ever um, advertised myself as a portrait photographer before. Mm. I, I, have, I haven't even got a lot of experience directing portraits, but after directing my own family portraits, the monochromatic ones, I kind of got a hankering for arranging people. Yep. And you do it really well. Thank you. Thank They're you. They're beautiful. They're so – there's just – it's just the energy and the life and this, the ridiculousness of the setups yep. that you've got everyone in and it's like the <laughs> – it's a real like tongue-in-cheek. Yes. Um, and ourselves. Yeah, and, then, and what else can you do? Like, it, it, it's funny because they're they're colourful, but it's also us making fun of ourselves while we're losing our minds. Exactly, well, and the girls are so into it as well, which is uh, really cool. Um, I love them. Thank you. I so after I did those, I kind of felt like doing something similar for other families. I just not obviously not with the the colourful dress-ups, but just convincing them to make a slightly, just a subtly different or quirky family portrait um, mm. at the front of their house. And so I'll, um, I'm about to start doing those again now that I'm allowed to work again. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's hard because with masks being mandatory, uh, once you step off your property, it, it just makes sense to do the portraits and people people's front yards yes. where they don't need to be masked. We don't have to worry about that. And I can shoot it. I was shooting them from across the road on my long lens um, originally yeah. <laughs> when, uh, just because I wasn't allowed on people's properties. But now I think I'm allowed and I'm looking forward to, to doing that. I just need to find that point of difference to make it look like my work still. And um, that's what I'm, that's, that's my challenge. Oh, there's your stamps all like, over you, the images. Now you're talking about doing um, small weddings. <laughs> I know. I, I, What I thought was all the people who had the big weddings planned this mm. year, I'm wondering if they are, if, if are going to wait till they can have that big wedding or if they're going to change their plans and, and get back to basics and go with more of a simple backyard type intimate union, which would be the only kind of wedding I would be interested so in. So you're not going to do the fairy lights and the, you know, the, the, the designer weddings. You want to do the okay. intimate backyard weddings, which was right up your alley. Yes. I, would, I think that the union of people in that way after this year and being able to celebrate something beautiful like the ritual of that but in a paired back way appeals to me um i've never done it before <laughs> i have photographed one wedding before a few years ago but it was a, it was a big full shebang wedding yeah but um yeah i i'm 
I, I think I want to do this. <laughs> oh, well, you put it out there and someone's going to answer the call I'm for sure. I'm a little sure. comfortable with it, but I would, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how I feel doing that. I think it could be beautiful. And I like that you say I'm uncomfortable with it, but I'm going to push out of the comfort zone. Yes, and I think it's okay even, you know, saying that in front of potential clients. I, yep. I'm painfully honest with that kind of thing. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I have been doing weddings in my sleep for years, uh, but I but I will let people know that I'll be bringing everything that I take to my family shoots into trying to document a, a, a wedding in that same way. So. I'm not, I'm not very good at faux confidence. I'm not striving to be good at it. <laughs> no, it's, it's lovely to have that authenticity. Um, now, as I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours, but we've got to wrap it up at some point. But yeah. I, I think to finish on, so we spoke three years ago, and um, I think that there's stuff that's happened to you that I guess is beyond even your wildest dreams. It's really exciting. So... Let's fast forward. It's now 2023. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. That's anyone's guess. Isn't what, it? Would you, what would you love? What would be, uh, say, if you were telling me and I'm asking you what do you got on next week, what would be your ideal week if we were to fast forward three years into the future and just, like, fantasize about what you would see as, oh, my God, if these things, I would be wrapped if this is what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I would be wrapped if travel featured heavily in my work. So, and this is something I started to do last year. Uh, I wanted to go to the States. And so I put out a, a call on my Instagram and my socials to say, I want to travel here and um, I would like to book family sessions. Mm. And I, that worked beautifully. I was able to photograph five families in two weeks and um, travel and see friends and have adventures. And I was going to be doing that again this year. I'd like to get to a point where two or three times a year, my girls are a bit older now, I could say, right, I want to go to Italy. And um, that's one thing that has come out of the pandemic. Now I have a, a much wider reach on my socials because of the monochromatic portraits. Yep. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> so now I have even more of a capacity to get that word out there and say, I'm traveling here. I need to book this many shoots. These are my dates. And then hope that I can use my work as a, a way to fund seeing more of the world. That's really what was driving me last year. And I really am heartbroken but that's off the cards for a little while. But yeah. my ideal work week would be traveling somewhere I hadn't been before um, by myself. I like I like the idea of feeling a bit scared in a foreign place and not and pushing myself that way. Yep. Um, but still having the familiarity of work and to 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 sink into and to pay for it. So that's my ideal. Twenty twenty three. Is it going to happen? Are we going to be getting out of this? <laughs> yes just like if you're ever in doubt and questioning like will this nightmare ever end you just look back in history and you go you know always or no even better like what I like to do is if uh, you're in a 
situation that's not fantastic is to just look out to nature and you can see that it's repeated everywhere like we have uh, spring and summer where there's abundance and we always have to have a, a an autumn and a winter right mm -hmm. and when you look at the landscape you see that there's uh, mountain ranges and there's peaks and valleys that's life and uh, you know throughout history there's been great times followed by bad times bad times followed by good times so there'll be good times again and we'll be free to travel and we'll take our lessons and uh, learn from those. And I, I, I'm hoping that we all come out of this as, uh, you know, the world will be a better place because of it, because we had to go through this suffering. That's a beautiful summary. And I wish the same for you because I know traveling is a big yep. part of your work as well. We'll be out there. Fantastic. Well, I hopefully we won't leave it uh, three years before I chat to you again. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I will be following um, along with your journey and seeing where it takes you. And I, I love seeing your work. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the time to chat with us today. So continued success. And hopefully you get to travel soon, Ro. Thanks Thank again. You. I'm so grateful that you asked me twice. Um, <laughs> and I always feel so comfortable and love chatting with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. That was awesome. So fantastic mm. to hear from Rowena again. That's Rowena Meadows. And if you want to check out her work, you can go to her website, which is awesome. It's rowenameadows.com.au or you can check her out on Instagram, Rowena Meadows Photo. Some really mm. cool stuff. Um, well yep. deserved to have all of those yes. awards. Yes. All right. So what's happening in the coming week for you, Gina? I've got to get a job out uh, after we finish this. And so I'll be editing, but, and then I'm, um, I'll be uh, binge watch because I love to edit and binge watch stuff yes. at the same time. And you know that I'm obsessed, Val, because yes. we've been discussing it with the show called SAS Australia. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so just watching um, SAS uh, officers put uh, Australian celebrities through the uh, through their paces yeah. and it's so grueling but it's like what I love it's not just the physical which it's great to be uh, all curled up at home nice and warm and watching people like shivering in <laughs> ice cold water it's the it's the mental mm. barriers that I that I'm so um I'm so on board like I just love seeing people watching people um under pressure and it's not that their body gives up on them it's their mind that stops them from achieving something that they could have achieved and it's like we see this in artists Val don't mm. we when it's like you know you may be capable of doing a shoot you might get offered something but your mind will talk you out of it I'm not good enough yet mm. I'm not ready to do that or I'm not I'm not I don't understand flash and it's like you've talked yourself out of it before you do it so I mm. love watching um how people deal with that and you can see the people who are so focused that they get through a task uh, and then the others who just give in to the mind and, and they miss out on these great opportunities. So if you're not so, sure yeah. what Gina's talking about, if you're in the UK or Europe, you may be familiar with the show called SAS Who Dares Wins and it's actually uh, based on that show and it's the same four SAS guys who are, you know, ex-military and they're doing it in Australia at the moment. If you're, do if you're listening in America, I don't actually think there is an equivalent that I'm aware of in America. It's nothing 
nothing like Survivor. It's nothing like no. Ninja Warrior or anything like that. They are in the wilderness. They have no showers for the whole period. They have, you know, a crappy toilet. And um, nothing. They yeah. are, and it is not a competition in the sense that you don't have challenges and someone wins and no one gets voted out. They just keep on going till people voluntarily crack and leave and they just get dropped off one by one and it's all military style um, activities that they need to do under incredible duress and in incredible and under incredible physical and mental stress so Gina became obsessed with this when the mm. show started and she was kept talking to me about it and I thought oh yeah interesting but you know whatever um, but then I started watching it and I binged till I caught up and now that's all we can talk about <laughs> it's just been these enthusiastic text exchanges all week about the late and there'll be more tonight because there's another episode tonight and we're very excited we need to get out more Val absolutely (laughs) I think you need to go on your own SAS course just so you can experience I think I need to do a personal project um, Uh studying very closely SAS officers. I think that will be something that I'll do in the future, Val. <laughs> That's such a tough gig for you, Jaina. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait to they see say the results. They say photograph what you love. Yes. Photograph the things that you love and have meaning to you and this is something that I love and has meaning. So Because you've been in such situations like terrorism and hostage situations where an SAS person has had to come and get you. I don't have to be in those situations, Val. I just re- admire and respect these officers because it's like, you know, they're, they're, it's like like Navy SEALs as well. To do that training and to get through, this is the elite of the elite and I am always inspired by anyone who is an elite in their chosen genre. So it's that, you know. Do you know my friend? You play the cello, <laughs> I follow SAS people around. <laughs> a, a friend of mine, um, his, do- he, his daughter was involved in an extraction. She was the person being extracted. Wow. I know. She got rescued. You are essentially. An extraction as in what she was captured Well, no, or no. Um, she was in the terrible... Um, Tsunami that hit Japan. Oh, right. And right. Um, had the presence of mind to find a non water, uh, a waterproof marker to yeah. write her name on herself <gasps> and oh, then start running. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So imagine having the presence of mind to find a waterproof marker to do that. Um, yeah, there's a, like how people respond mm, in a crisis. Like people, some people just shut down and can't. They just can't do anything. And then there's other people that just suddenly this clarity comes over them, and they can think to like, all right, well, it, it, like damage control. Like that's what you do a lot of Val. Like we'd be talking, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this. It's going to be great. And you'll like, and you'll be like, have you thought about this, <laughs> this, this, and that? I'm like, no. <laughs> Because that's what you do. You're like looking forward. You're always five steps ahead of me and I'm like I'm just here in the moment going, yeah, it's going to be great. So I know that you would think to do that if a tsunami came where I'd be just like a run. <laughs> run. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so so they had to get one of these people, these types of people to to, to 
go there, you know. Be Chris Hemsworth, like in that movie, Extraction. Do they carry you out like in the, in the bodyguard where it's like they carry you out of the thing and then there's I, like, I, I don't always know. love you as playing in the, but this is in the, this is in the movie in my head. This okay. is like I'm replaying The Rescue. Okay. I don't mm. know. Anyway, where do we find you online, Gina? Find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then do check out the Gold Community. You can find that at ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.